Abiyahwe, thank you for this opportunity, your grace and your mercy to share and be in your treasury and to dig through the shelves of your treasure, your gems and your jewels and pull from the shelves and share with brothers and sisters, anyone that would listen and hear your good news, Father God. For it is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that I share and that you have commissioned me to do, Father, all of us that are believers in Jesus Christ and have faith in you, Father God, that is what you ask us to do. You tell us to share, that's what I will do, Father God. I will be about your business. Brothers and sisters, I love, I, I want to make something perfectly clear. No, no issue or room for any doubt or error or manipulation of the word because this is how it is and this is the truth and this is the way it must be and if you twist it then um, that's your choice but here's the thing when i when i talk about the confirmation and agreement and um, when i go to church and i love the confirmation i share with my uh, lead pastor at church i'm not talking about because they agree with me it's got nothing to do with that whatsoever and it has everything to do with an agreement with the word of God, the truth, and that we're sharing that truth and that we are of a like mind as it tells us that we are to be in the Bible. The scripture tells us to be like-minded and that we're to lift one another up in prayer, edification and sharing for the purpose of strengthening and enhancing our faith. And that's what I mean when I say that, uh, the comp talk about confirmation. When you take several pastors separate, and we're not on a conference call, we're not talking on the phone, and we're not discussing what uh, one is going to do in a lesson or what one is going to talk about on a particular given Sunday. And yet, and yet every single message is related to the same thing. Every message is related and talking about the same thing, the same purpose, and the same, same ideas. Maybe the wording is different, but the idea and the gist of the conversation and the teaching and the scriptures used are many times overlapping and sharing. That's what I mean about confirmation not simply because they're in agreement with me or what I've been sharing with you or what I've been talking about or what I've been studying, but that they all agree. And we're talking about three or four different people here. In addition to myself and sometimes including myself, but we're all talking about the same thing. We're going to the same scriptures. We're digging at the same thing. Brothers and sisters, that to me and my heart is profound. That is part of the, what you might call the mysteries that our God works and God works in mysterious ways, how he can take and intertwine and interweave all these things. And speaking of that, I loved, I loved the, uh, I love my lead pastor in the home church. He's a, he's a very real, truthful, honest person and he goes to the word he loves to share the word of God and he gets excited about it and at the same time you know he deals with 
different angsts and things that are going on because of the tensions and the things that are going on around us in this world today. And he was talking about that today, as I have told you about all the the churches that Paul writes to back and forth and things that are going on all around us. These uh, The white noise, as a if you will, um, that Satan uses. And all these things that are going on around us, the turmoil and tumult and the agendas that the elected officials have and all these things that are drawing, they're drawing our focus away from what it should be. And that is in the word of God, the truth from God and focusing on him. And as I've shared with you before, there are those individuals when we talk about the enemy and what he's up to. Uh, oh, I don't want to do that. That's focusing on, on him, not on God, da, 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 da. Well, that's poppycock. Um, you must be aware of the movement of the enemy, and you must be relative to that. But that doesn't mean that you focus on that and just and get in a stare down with the serpents and the scorpions that come at you, the Chaldeans that might come from the hiding place and give you the wicked look. Because i tell you what. Those demons, if we were able to see them, it would, <laughs> we'd never watch um, a Hippocratwood sci-fi movie ever the same. I mean, it it's frightening, brothers and sisters, but this spiritual warfare is going on. And the word of God tells us that it's for our soul and our mind. Brothers and sisters, it is for our soul and our mind. If Satan could get into and give us these abstract thoughts and take us away from what we do. Here's, a, here's an example. Okay, for me, this is, this is relative to me, and I'm going to use me personally So because, you know what? I don't want anybody out there getting a twisted idea that, oh, he thinks he's so perfect. Well, no, I'm not. And God, let me tell you this straight up and down, God does not expect perfection. He knows that we're weak. He knows that the things in the world can cause us to become anxious but here's the thing that we have to remember. Faith in Jesus Christ who came for us and Father God is the catalyst of our foundation. And if you don't have faith, then you are wandering in this broken world blindly and you're going to stumble a lot. And even if you have faith, the minions that work for Satan and the enemy to draw our attention from focusing on God and the word of God as we should be doing it's real, brothers and sisters, and the closer the walk to God is, the more they try and stumble. And the white noise is to get you to believe that you can go ahead and take care of it on your own, that you shouldn't pray forever on this item. And it could seem like a trivial item. For me, it happens that the thought comes in, oh, this is not important enough to worry about God. We'll just go ahead and do it. And then... <laughs> There I go, I stepped in that hole, twisted my ankle, my knee, and I'm limping around, and then I have to, Father, I'm sorry. Father, I'm sorry. So here's the deal you have to remember. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter how many times you pray over it. Um, one example might be this silly little electronic device that we hold in our hands. The prince of the air uses it in a twisted form and will take you to dark places. You're walking on the street, Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior yet, and he's got you focused on that. You don't focus on anybody around you. You don't focus on anything around you. You walk out into oncoming traffic. Boom. Now you're taken from this plane of existence. Now you have died. But not only have you died, but you have not accepted Jesus Christ, and now you're going to perish because you've chosen to do all the things 
opposite of what you should be doing and contrary to any teaching in the Bible, and you were ignorant of so many things, except the reality is that they were all around you, and you just chose to ignore them and pay attention to what of the least important, and that's all the white noise. This is what the devil tries to do, the white noise of interference to draw your focus, to keep you away from that. And if he can succeed in taking not only your life, but your soul and your mind off of God and your focus off of God, and he can get you to leave this plane of existence that way, well, unfortunately, then he wins a new soul. And that is factual truth, brothers and sisters, not making it up. This is what he's doing. This is real. This is not make-believe and something pretend, and then you got those rose-colored glasses folks that don't, well, that's just so, no, I just want to hear the pretty stuff and the good stuff because, you know, that's, that's so dark. It's so terrible. Well, yeah, it is, brothers and sisters. This is why I am about my father's business to share this word. This is why my pastor shares the word he does. And this is why we have those that go out in the mission field. We just prayed over a couple today and their family. And oh my gosh, they're out there in the world and they're, and they're sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what they're doing. We also have missionaries that are in our own country for crying out loud. They need to be here. The mission field isn't just out there in some other country. Brothers and sisters, we need missionaries here as well. I feel like I'm in a mission field when I go to work every day and I'm, I'm able to share the gospel and there are people that really believe it and there are those that are contrary to that and look to seek any means possible to be aggressive, derisive, and separate. And this is what is driving them is that attitude, that white noise interference that we don't belong together. God says we are meant to be a gathering people. The book of Hebrews talks about we are meant to be a gathering people. He intended us to be able to sit down together. You remember the vision that he showed Peter? See here, Peter and Paul got into a little conflict of interest here because the gospel is supposed to be shared with everyone. And Peter was saying one thing with his mouth, but then he was acting a different way. Paul and Peter got into it a little bit and Peter was given a vision and a vision of all the different animals and all the different foods and all these things here. And, and Peter was a little bit argumentative, but then God just, God put him in his place and say, hey, I made all this. This is made by my hand. I am the maker of all things made. And straighten them out. And then things went differently. But brother and sister, we are meant to be a gathering people. Um, the pastors, several of the pastors, I love the, I love the pastoral staff at, uh, of the church. And that's an interesting word now that I brought that up. Pastoral. Pastoral. That term I've heard used for, oh, what a pastoral setting, you know, calm, serene, the, the beauty and all this stuff. And the pastoral staff. 
the artwork that is woven with their verbiage and their speech and what they're talking about from the word of God, from his truth. And sometimes I'll sit and I'll close my eyes partially and sometimes completely. And the pictures that come to mind in listening to their words speak the words that come out from their mouths. Oh, man. I know they're, they're, it's different, but for me, the artistry that comes from that, the words and the sharing, it's, it's pretty powerful. And I love it because it's meant for all of us to have that. And, you know, a lot of people have an issue with the analogy or the metaphor that's used as we are the sheep. They don't like, oh, I'm not a sheep. Well, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't get your uh, don't get all twisted about that because here's the thing don't get offended and seek offense in that because here's the facts you are and Jesus Christ has described himself as a good shepherd and the good shepherd will leave the ninety nine to come to the one this has got to do with the parable uh, the prodigal son Jesus talks about the shepherd and talks about being our protector our savior brothers and sisters. We are his sheep and we should know his voice, which means that we lean in and hear him when he speaks to us to guide us besides still waters so that we can have peace and that we're not at odds with these things that are going on. And you have to remember too that, uh, you know, he, he told the disciples that he was going to have to leave and, and go back home. And they didn't get it. They were becoming upset. And he goes, no, 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 no. Peace, peace be unto you. He says, you, you can't worry about that. I have to go prepare a place for you. In my house, our father's house, are many mansions. I have to go and get yours ready. If it were not so, I would have told you. Basically saying, have I not always told you the truth? Have, I, have you not seen everything that I've told you has come true, come to pass, and it's happened? He said, if I go, I will send a comforter to you. But I must go in order for that to happen. And he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is available for us. And I want to make sure that I say this, uh, say this word right. But it's, it's from a... Um, it's from the classical Greek word. It's a classical Greek word. And it's a perichoresis. Um, The way the lead pastor was talking about it today, it was, it, oh man, it was beautiful actually. It was really, really pretty. But it's talking about the intertwining of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's almost like a, it's almost a dance, you might is the what he described it. Um, it's also descriptive of the holy human and the holy divine, Jesus Christ. The perichoresis, the intertwining. I have this little... Amulet. I've had people tell me that, oh, that's that's for Wicca, that's for witchcraft, that's a devil symbol. Well, no, it's not. It's just a Celtic 
and it's called a uh, trichial. And I like it because when you look at it, you can see that there's three separate pieces, but they're intertwined. It's a very, to me, that's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're all intertwined, but can be looked at separately. And that's what this, that's what they're talking about here. What the pastor was talking about is perichoresis. That they are together, triune, and yet there is part of this mystery of that, that they can be separate. God the Father, Christ the Son, and Parakletos, the Holy Spirit, able to maintain their personal singularity, but intertwined. I, I just, it's an amazing analogy that he was sharing today. Absolutely beautiful. And sharing all this in uh, the Advent season of the coming of Jesus Christ, and that the uh, uh, another word that I thought was was very very wonderful comes from classical Greek as well. That when the shepherds were out in the fields, and it was dark out there, and they were wondering about this new star, that there was something about this star, and then. the advent of the Evangelion, the deliverance from the angelic hosts of good news. That is what that is, the delivery of good news, especially if it's attributed to royalty, which, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ, the birth of the newborn king above all kings, and the Magi, they were of royal, to, royal heritage and lineage themselves. They came wearing crowns. They came from their faraway homelands. They came bringing frankincense and myrrh and gold. They knelt before a baby in a stable, lying in a manger, the feeding trough for the stock animals. They knelt before him. They took off their crowns and they bowed to Jesus Christ, the King above all kings, the name above all names. This humbly born child who came from Nazareth, the town absolutely so humble, not only in its setting, but just, it wasn't, like Jerusalem or bigger cities, and it was actually very a very poor area, and there were jokes that were made about Jesus Christ. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Well, obviously, something did, and that is Jesus Christ, who, when he comes back, will be the lion of the tribe of Judah. When he was born and came then, he came as the sacrificial lamb. And I'm I'm thinking too, I've shared this with you before, brothers and sisters, and I think part of the problem that individuals had there is because their expectations of Jesus Christ were not according to God's plan. And that disturbed many folks, I believe. 
because they were expecting and looking for a reigning king to come with his entourage and then chase the Romans out and be the ruler of the world and everything would be coming up roses like some of those individuals that are out amongst us today. They only want the rose-colored glasses and everything is beautiful and everything's going to be okay and they're not contextually studying the scriptures and the word of God. There are a lot of things going out there in the world today, brothers and sisters, and as human beings, we become reactive to those things. But here's the important thing, not to be fearful. I've shared this with you, not to be fearful because if you're fearful, then you're listening to too much of that white noise. And you're following that path. And it causes you to react differently. It causes you to act differently. It causes you to do things that you don't normally do or wouldn't normally do. And anyone that really knows you will ask you, is there something wrong? Is there something I can help you with? But sadly, brothers and sisters, for the most part, nobody pays any attention because it's all about their agenda, their time, and what they've got to do because they have filled their calendar with too much stuff. Saul, ancient Saul, who was in Israel and was going to be anointed to king, he almost missed his anointing to become king of Israel. Why? Because he was too gathered up in his stuff not only metaphorically speaking, but he was actually, they found him in his stuff, in his treasury, and all the things that, you know, and the battles and things that he had won and collected and packed up in a big old closet, that's where they found him. And it's like, Saul, what are you doing? You're about to be anointed king of Israel. Get your tail out of your stuff and get up there and get anointed. He nearly missed his anointing because he was caught up in his stuff. Brothers and sisters, we can't be caught up in our stuff. This Advent season, is, as uh, Jamie was sharing it, it is an invitation to us, brothers and sisters, an invitation to ever, whomever will have an ear and lean in and listen to the invitation of the Word of God. You can be saved, you can be redeemed, you can be, you can uh, accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you can be a part of this. Don't miss out, you've been invited. You have been invited. And it's very important. And here's an important thing too that, that was announced to this angel when, when the uh, when the shepherds were out there in the dark and, and they were, they never get anybody visit them out there. Of course, they have no doors to knock on or anything. So, but here comes this angelic host. The whole of the night lit up around them. And there were in the same kind of, this is in Luke 2, by the way, two. I'm going to start reading it at verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings 
of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ, being anointed of God, the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. So the good news was that Jesus Christ is being born and they could go find him. The sad part of it is, and the Bible talks about this, is that he came here to offer that opportunity and there are still so many that reject him. He was rejected in his own hometown of Nazareth. They had little to no faith at all and they kept belittling him, degrading him, besmirching him, saying, who are you? We know who you are. You're the son of Joseph Mary down the other end of that crooked lane down there on the edge of town. And we know your brothers and sisters. We know your family. And who do you think you are coming here to da-da-da-da-da-da-da? And on and on they went. And Jesus was just trying to tell them the truth. As opposed to the arrogance of the Sanhedrin and the pharisaical leaders, I believe that what was going on in Nazareth was mostly ignorance. And, you know, there is an old adage that has to, has dealings with that, is familiarity breeds contempt. All that, but that's exactly what happened with Jesus when he went to Nazareth and he was trying to share with them the truth. He did a couple healings and, and then had to leave because they were so, yeah, we know who you are. You're nobody special. You're that carpenter's kid. We know who you are. We You fixed some doors for us a few times. And now you come in here saying that you're going to this and going to that and that you're supposedly the son of God. Well, yeah, he is. And... Sadly, they missed. But unlike the Pharisees, who were purely self-centered, arrogant, contemptuous vipers, as John the Baptizer called them, <laughs> which they didn't like because they know that you know, vipers, they have a tendency to carry the young and then the young. They didn't like that description because they, they became so offended at being likened into vipers that the the they they carry their young inside. And then when the young hatch out and they become then they eat their way out it, it's a, it can be kind of you know you get that picture in your head and you think yeah they didn't like being called vipers well excuse me they were in amongst the people they fed off the people they stole from the people they made them change um sacrifices you had to buy a special sacrifice you couldn't put your money in you had to have temple money. They were making a commission off of everything that they took from the people anyway. Then they wouldn't touch the people because they didn't want to become dirty. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Is that not what the priests and, and 
elders of the church, the temple, the synagogue are supposed to do, they're supposed to come down and help the people and touch the people and be around the people, hug the people, shake hands with the people. I'm going to tell on Jamie right now. I see him hug people. I see him shake hands. I see him telling jokes. I see him dancing around and, and being so happy and filled with the spirit. And I feel that. Sometimes I feel the angst from him. And I can, this thing that God gave me. And sometimes I can just look at him. He's still doing what God has called him to do. But I can feel what he is feeling. And it's not just, I can, I can do that with others. God has given that to me and, and uh, he has shared that thing. And sometimes I'm going to tell you right now, brothers and sisters, sometimes that, that hurts. It hurts because I don't know what to do except to pray. But therein is the answer, except to pray. That is one of the most powerful things that we can do one for another. And it doesn't matter if they're a member of the body of Christ and body of the church. It doesn't matter. You pray over them and give them and share with them and they have the opportunity to be a part of that. I love this word. I just like the way it sounds. The euangelion. And you can say it with a fancy accent or all that, but the euangelion, the deliverance of good news relating to the birth of the king of the world, the king above all kings, the name above all names, the redeemer, the savior, the sacrificial lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the only begotten son of God, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, our Lord and savior. I love that. And it's an invitation, brothers and sisters, and that I share and give to you right now. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have that opportunity to do so. It doesn't require pomp and circumstance, loud tambourines and shaking of rattles. On You go in, you close the door, and it's you and God and talking to the Spirit of the Lord. When Jesus talked to the woman at the well, he told you, he, he told her, and he says, as I speak to you now, I tell you that there will come a time where you can be with God just like this. You're not going to have to go to the temple and you're not going to have to do the special mumbo jumbo sacrifices and that the head priest is going to have to make you do an exchange and all that. You're not going to have to do that. I There will come a time, and he wasn't real specific, except that he was indeed the Messiah that everyone was praying for and that he's here. And he knew that she'd go tell everyone. He knew that. He was ready to get things rolling. But he was delivering to her again that good news and the invitation to come and pray to the Father and Spirit. And as he shared, you pray to God. Now, I am the truth, the way, and the life, and none come through to the Father but by me, which is his deliverance of a whole package to the invitation. We can pray to God in spirit and truth because Jesus Christ came and sacrificed himself to do so, to make that possible. 
No greater gift has one than to lay down his life for a brother or sister. Jesus Christ did that. People think, yeah, well, he was grabbing, he was, he was forcing. Oh, brother and sister, let me share this with you. Do you think for one moment, one moment, do you think that Jesus Christ could not have called down a legion of angels as the only begotten son of God, Abba Yahweh, maker of all things made, at any given time that he could not have done that? And they would have destroyed the world and set him free. There's an old song. I used to cry every time I heard it, even as a young person. I didn't quite understand anything. I had no walk with God like I, I'm trying to keep going now. But whenever I heard those, that lady trio sing that, and then later my mother was asked to join them and they became a quartet. My mother had a beautiful singing voice. She's even more beautiful now because she's up there in her heavenly voice. She's younger as she, than she was. And when they used to sing that, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. But instead, he died alone for you and for me. He could have called 10,000 angels but he died alone on Calvary's tree. Yes, he did it voluntarily because it was the cup that he and his father had conversed and decided that, yes, I'll go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe would not perish but have everlasting life. He came to establish truth to know the truth will set you free. And if you know the truth and I have set you free, then you are free indeed. This is what Jesus Christ came then to establish and to do. And when he comes back, as he promised, he will. And my faith tells me he will. He will be coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings, the name above all names. And they that don't believe and those that do will be on their knees and bow in the head. Yeshua Haman. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Yeshua Haman. Lord of lords, kings of kings, save us, we pray. But those would be the non-believers that would praying that because when they're on their knees, they're being compelled because they decided not to when they had an opportunity. But those of us that are of the blood and have been adopted into the family of God, our Father, and we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, we do so because we know his name. We know who he is and we know what he is. And we do it with our hearts because that is what we know and what we desire to do. We're not being compelled to do it because... We failed to recognize it before. We are going to kneel and bow because he is worthy. He is praiseworthy. He is Lord of lords, King of kings. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I think there's even a song about that. I don't dare sing it for you because I'm much older than I used to be. I had a really good singing voice at one time. I can still do pretty good, but uh, I would not like to get up into that area of that part of the song because it's I love that. Lord of Lords. Yeah, anyway, there you go. That's all you get. <laughs> but, oh my gosh, I, I am just this invitation. Wow. And brothers and sisters, that is just... <sighs> wow. That good news that was brought by the angels. The Prince of Peace. The Son of God. King of kings and Lord of lords. If that is not good news of royal heritage, oh my goodness, then, wow. And the thing that we have to remember too is even in spite of, despite or in spite of, of all these things that are going around, which are can be very tense and things that are going on. But uh, Paul writes in the letter of Philippians 4, and four. And, you know, I've shared this with you too, brothers and sisters, and this confirming word is that, you know, that sometimes there's people that just want to go around, they're kicking the chairs, and they're, you know, and the little children are running around, getting out of the nursery, getting ready to go into their little nursery while you're getting ready to go into the to the sanctuary and worship, and they're walking around with these deep, long frowns, head slumped over, and they're kicking stuff, and they bump into the kids, and then they look over, and you see this look on their face, like, rah, rah, rah. what is that about? You're in the house of the Lord. You're coming to worship, you know? And then Paul writes here, 4-4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men that the Lord is at hand. Be anxious or careful, as the word says, for nothing, but it means anxiousness. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving at, at your requests, be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are going on tensile around or tensile around us in the world. That's, that's true. But when you're with God and you're with the Lord and you're able to share that time and be with them and worship, and what is the deal? And the joy of the Lord is my strength. And again, I say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And Paul writes too, to rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. And we have to look at this thing. And this is, there's a lot of folks that get that. And the Lord knows. God knows that it's difficult. But brothers and sisters, we don't want to ever be fearful of the things that are going on around us. And I've shared this with you before. Being fearful allows us to uh, let the white noise interfere too much, our focus goes somewhere else, and then we become agitated about everything. We react to people the way we should not react. Uh, we're not functioning as we should. And then we're following what everybody's saying. And if it's not the truth of the gospel, they're making up things that are like this Yahoo that gets up there. I shared with you this pervert that he gets up there on the stage. And remember, brothers and sisters, perversion has nothing to do with sexual issue. That's not what I'm saying. When something is perverse, it's twisted and it's maligned and it's not meant for what it's supposed to be. The gospel 
of Jesus Christ is meant to be encouraging and the good news of the birth of Jesus Christ and the opportunity that people have to be saved. And these that twist it, malign it, darken it, and try to drag it down into the shadows are twisting it into something that it's not, saying that God is condemning everyone to hell. First of all, that's not true. Hell was created to encapsulate Satan and his minions that rebelled and were cast out of heaven. Initially, that's what they were for. But they've been busy expanding because so many people have decided to listen to Satan and the minions that bring the little seeds of weeds and block their view of focus on God and to try to drive the derisive nature of man away from God. They've had them expand and make more room. But remember John three sixteen, whosoever and they that refuse have condemned themselves. God's not condemning. He's trying to offer an opportunity, a leg up, as you will, a hand up, as you will, and pick you up and not allow you to go there. He doesn't want you to, so he's offered the opportunity. And you have the audacity to say that he's condemning. He sent his only begotten son to die, to take on the sins of the world and be put to death so that no one has to go. But yet, you got these individuals that are up there saying, God's condemned you to hell if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. That's not true. He's not condemning you. If you fail and you go the opposite direction, you've made that choice. God made us a free will thinking creation. We have choice. So, brothers and sisters, pretty much that in a nutshell there. So here's the thing that's most important. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. The helmet of salvation, brothers and sisters. That salvation is about what? Jesus Christ. The invitation to be saved. By what? The death of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice. And finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and, yes, the list goes on, there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Wow. That is an awesome thing, and it is an invitation that has been given to us by God, the Father, and Jesus Christ's only begotten Son. And this is so deep. Brothers and sisters, he is so awesome. Awesome God. Awesome Father. And that invitation is real and is extended. And here's something interesting too is that, that Paul talks about this. And that he's writing a letter to the Hebrews about Jesus Christ and the sufferings that he went through and the obedience of his father by the things that he went through. And brothers and sisters, we, we do that same thing. God is not doing this to, to punish hurtfully. Things may happen 
that he allows to happen as a to strengthen our faith, to say and to change our direction, to give us a, a, a different direction of walking. And we have to have faith that the detour is the road. And that God knows that we are going through things that are difficult. But here's the thing that's also very important, Joshua 1 9. Have I not commanded thee to be of good courage? To be strong and of good courage? Be not afraid nor dismayed, for I, thy Lord, thy God, am with you, whithersoever thou goest. Wherever he goes, wherever we go, he goes. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, surrounding us and protecting us. All the time, as a good shepherd will walk with his flock and protect them. That staff that he that the shepherd carries is not for knocking the sheep around or poking at them or prodding them because he cares, he loves his sheep. He cares for them. That's to protect us. Yeah, the wolves will get a whack, but his sheep doesn't get whacked. That's not what a good shepherd is about. So brothers and sisters, Here's the thing. This is something that, that he shared kind of toward the end and, and I found very interesting. I'd heard something similar some time ago, but, but he said it really interesting. That, and so much that's going on around the world and, and the way that the uh, internet and all this thing is written, and how Facebook, glorious Facebook, yay for Facebook, right? It was initially set up and established as a way for social media, which would indicate not derisiveness, but gathering. And now they have these folks called independent fact-checkers who, by the way, that's a bunch of baloney because they're on a payroll. If they were not on a payroll and they volunteered the information, then they would be independent fact-checkers. But normally, and what I've also found, is that if it's not agreeing with their agenda or their thought process, then they put you farther down in the line or they completely knock you out of the box. So... That's not being independent. But anyway, the pastor was sharing today that it only takes about three seconds to imprint negative thought process in your mind. Anyone's mind. About three seconds. If something negative is stated or made, that it immediately, it's, uh, it's like a branding iron. They don't hold a branding iron against the side of a cow or a calf for three, four minutes, it's just a matter of seconds. And that imprint is in their skin deep. And then they let them go and they're running off and they're blowing on it and trying to waller in mud or whatever, because so, I'm sure it hurts. But here's the thing, three seconds, and you have that thing that's burned now into your memory that is really negative. You know, it might be, a, I won't go into analogies or I was going to try to, get an analogy of that, but you know what I'm talking about, three seconds. But 12 or more seconds for something positive. You got to kind of reinforce that positivity with an illustration or tell somebody, you know, what might be good, but it takes at least 12 seconds to convince them that it's something good. But Negative 
it's very readily absorbed. In reality, there are so many that prefer, it seems, to accept lies and the pandering that's going on relating to that than they are willing to accept the truth. I shared that saying that Plato, none is more hated than he who tells the truth. Oh my goodness, folks don't want to hear the truth because the truth is revealing. The truth sets people free and they like being bound up with the past. They like being bound up in non-forgiveness. They like being bound up in misery. They love misery. Misery loves company, so they try to make people around them miserable. That's the truth of it, brothers and sisters. But here's the thing. Also in the truth is the light and the glory of the gospel, the good news, the truth of Jesus Christ and the opportunity. That doesn't mean that everything is going to be perfect and hungry door and you're going to float above the ground six to eight inches and just move through life and not have any problems. That's not truth. That's not reality. The reality is that the enemy is going to always try to knock you off your path and keep you from walking closer to God than what he desires. But brothers and sisters, we're never alone. Pray for one another, uplift one another, encourage one another. And God never leaves nor forsakes brothers and sisters, he promises that. My faith tells me that is true. And Jesus Christ, my King, came to bring truth and accepting truth, I am free. Brothers and sisters, accept truth and you are free. And when he sets you free, you are free indeed. Be blessed. I love you. I pray for you on my going out, my coming in every day.